shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Hello, everybody. Once again, welcome to the Adventures in Tech podcast. My name is Andrew. And I'm Dan. This is episode number four. We are once again very excited that you have joined us on this journey. And if you continue to like our content, well, please help us out, provide feedback and a rating on the platform you use to listen, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Class, iHeart, Anchor, all of them. They're, they're, it's all over. We greatly appreciate the distribution as well. And we appreciate your support. So what's going on, Dan? We, we've been talking. We've been getting back in the classrooms. What do you got in the mix now? Um, trying to keep myself. Well, actually, what I have in the mix now is something I think we're going to talk about later in the discussion is working with AR and VR. Yeah. Um, we, I think we mentioned we took a trip, a field trip with the AP environmental science class. Yep. And we went to Tivoli Bay's Marsh and we took some footage with the drone and 360 images. So now I'm starting to work with the teacher and students in order to put that into a platform where the students can then take ownership, um, add some triggers in there, put in their content, put in their reflections, um, really build it up and put it into a VR platform which I have to say is a little bit of a struggle. It's a fun struggle, <laughs> but it's a little bit of struggle. And I don't know how many out there are familiar with VR, but I, I, I need to take some Dramamine or something. Yeah, I couldn't those do it all the time. Because those are making me nauseous. 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 Yeah. If you're wearing those all the time, like, listen, we're all about creating an experience for students, and we're going to talk more about that. You know, as, as that's a big uh, underlying uh, theme of our podcast is creating experiences uh, for the students that we work with. And the AR VR thing with those goggles, I mean, you walk around and yeah, they're clunky and everything. They're cool. Don't get me wrong. But I think it's got to be short periods of time really is, is what it comes down to, to, to really experience it. Cause otherwise you're just like, it's, it's quite funny when I see Dan walking around or looking around the office and <laughs> it's like, he's a lost puppy. <laughs> I feel like a lost puppy, but I see the potential in the platform. Absolutely. Um, and I really want to explore it and I'm, I'm excited to work with the students with it because I know for a fact they're going to, they're going to come up with better ideas than I can come up with. Cause that's just the nature of the game. That's right. They're, they're, they're in it every, every day, day out. They know what the game is. They're up in the level. So absolutely. We got a lot of cool things going on. Uh, some other projects we're starting to think about is using something with Spiros. We're going to mm -hmm. be, you know, we'll follow up on that next week, uh, specifically the golf balls. We also uh, are thinking about how we can use uh, the power of voice and audio uh, in math talks, math workshop, math stations. So that's something else that we're kind of, uh, you know, kind of laying the foundation for to really work on uh, later on. And obviously we did use the drones, uh, like we mentioned, uh, with the AP environmental students, but we are also going to continue that with uh, with other students uh, and grade levels across across the district, our specific district. So uh, exciting news. I know we talk about this every week, but NiceGate, if you are heading up to Rochester, the Better Together 2021 conference, we're definitely going to be up there. We are uh, preparing to be broadcasting multiple bonus episodes with uh, different sessions and having all kinds of educators from across the state, maybe even the country, whoever's attending, see what their thoughts are with the workshops, the keynote, 
you know, corporate sponsors, the exhibit hall. We'll have all kinds of special guests. So that's exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to connecting with a lot of our colleagues. It's been a long time. It's been 19 plus months. So, you know, it's different when uh, compared to Twitter and everything like that. We did want to mention, obviously, the Ditch Summit. That registration's on. It's year number six for the Ditch That Textbook Digital Summit, December 13th through January 7th, 2022. It's a free online conference for educators, keyword free. (laughs) And uh, Matt Miller will have more and, and his crew there. We'll have more than 75 video presentations on a whole wide range of topics that we're, we're sure you're going to love. DitchSummit.com uh, to get registered. And uh, when we talk about the socials, and we know Mr. Voice will tell you at the end our social channels, you can always find uh, Dan and I on Twitter. And specific things that we're doing, we host a lot of Twitter chats and so forth, just search the hashtag EdTechGuys, EdTechGuys, and you'll see all the stuff that's going on in our realm with Twitter. So let's talk about the weekly windup, Dan. What do you got? All right, so there's... Not too much in terms of Google, but I think we'll go over some new Google updates that are coming out that actually came out this week. Um, one, I think, is just a big formatting improvement yep. in Google Docs is adding a page break before paragraphs. Um, so now we can mark a paragraph to begin on a new page and it comes in useful as, you, as you're making your documents. But I find this even more useful if you have to import or export documents into Microsoft, from Microsoft Word or into Microsoft Word. Right. Because um, now that page break will, will transfer over. So I think that's a big thing as we... we move forward with just formatting documents. Yeah, we're trying to ensure those people who are still in the Microsoft realm, uh, it's going to make it hopefully more seamless transition as you use Google Docs if you don't, but it'll be more fluid. We know the formatting wasn't perfect, but it was pretty close. This, again, is just an added bonus feature. It's an added feature that's going to help make things more seamless. Uh, Rapid release uh, dropped out already. It should be there if your district is signed up. October 19th schedule release uh, is coming out uh, November 9th, so a couple weeks still if you haven't seen that. And it is available to all Google Workspace customers. Um, the next thing with Google, this has been on the radar for a long time now. Right. I'm just going to bring it up again. Google is sunsetting its classic Google Sites. This right. is not the new Google Sites no. everyone's working with now. Classic. The one you get from the Waffle, the one you get from your drive, that's all good. But if you still have a classic Google Site, that will no longer be available to starting December 1st. Um, but I guess there is some light at the end of the tunnel with that. It'll no longer be viewable, but they will be converted automatically to new Google Sites and put into your Google Drive as in a draft mode. So you can you can take your classic site, look right. it over in the new Google Site format, make the tweaks, and publish it again. Right. And if, if you are using a classic site still, I'm sure you've already kind of transferred yours over. If not, they are going to convert it for you. And then it'll you just have to hit publish and, like Dan said, tweak what you need to tweak. Um, if you're not really checking that Google site, it's just going to be in your drive as a draft and you just move on from it. No big deal. And finally, on the Google front, I love this feature. I think this is great. I started playing around with it. Um, makes that collaborative workspace in Google Docs even that much better. 100%. Um, so now you can easily add links, um, notifications directly into Google Docs with using the, the at symbol. Yeah. So once you insert the at symbol into the Google Doc, it's going to give you a menu. It's going to give you a place to, sh- uh, to search. You can put documents in there. You can tag certain people right in the document. Yep. Um, you can put in tables. You can put in charts. Um, this is all part of their smart chips. Yeah, smart chips. I like the name. You just simply type that at symbol, and you'll see a lot of recommended files, things that maybe are uh, your priority documents, different people, meetings, scheduled, and other different uh, content elements to kind of formats you know, in, and put them into your your work. So you're going to be able to search all kinds of available components. And as this is new, 
And that, you know, it's, it's Google's mission and Google Workspace. They want to enable new ways to collaborate. And this smart canvas and building the future of work is their mission that they're set out to do. So this is definitely cool. Rapid release has already been released, uh, started on October 18th. And if you are a scheduled release domain, the gradual rollout will start on November 1st. I definitely, it's hard for us to talk about it, but I definitely recommend opening up one of your Google Docs, yeah, throwing in that at symbol and see what happens. Yeah, that's, you need the sandbox time. Mm -hmm. um, one other thing I wanted to mention um, before, uh, you know, non-Google related is we want to talk about Kindu. Uh, so Kindu, K-I-N-D-U dot I-O slash forward slash TV. We'll put the links in the show notes. We will. Yep, absolutely. So basically what Kindu is, it, it allows you to add your own YouTube video for a safe space. And Kindu TV replaces YouTube in the classroom. You know, I'm really thinking for our learners, I mean, it can be K-12 because we want to filter the content to ensure that students aren't exposed to something inappropriate. But, but the uh, platform itself is more designed for your K-5, K-6. Right. right? I, I'm thinking um, it, it's... A scaffolded level up of Go Noodle. Sure. You know, that's kind of how I kind of, uh, you know, relate it to it. But it is, uh, we know YouTube is the most visited education website by teachers. So Kindu is definitely a home for the elementary school teachers to find, share, organize high quality educational videos, all with no ads, which is the big thing. We don't want the ads. If you're sending something home, you don't want to receive a parent notification that little Johnny saw something mm -hmm. inappropriate and it, no fault of your own, but you can't control those those ads on YouTube. So uh, they are growing. They are new. We'll put it in the show notes. They have a growing library of 15,000 plus crowdsourced and classroom radio videos and collections. So a lot there. And obviously any of your own videos, add them into Kindu. I believe it's free. free. Not sure the numbers, but I'm sure it's free uh, for a while. And again, they're kind of a, in their piloting launch and just getting going. So it's something definitely to check out. And that link that you get from Kindu, you can put right in through your Google Classroom Perfect. or whatever LMS you're using, and you'll, the students will be able to view the video. Perfect. Dan, you want to talk about Screencastify updates? Do I ever. So I know for a while, um, if you haven't noticed, Screencastify has been updating and updating and updating, and they've come out with some new updates this past month that I think are really important. Um, you know, Screencastify, at least for, for our colleagues in our district, was amazing during the times of virtual and hybrid learning. The Absolutely. teachers being able, I think we've had teachers with upwards of, you know, Thousands and thousands, thousands of, of videos, videos yeah, yeah. that they created. Um, so it was valuable there, but I think they've really grown, and it's a, such a useful tool that you can use in, in the classroom, in a blended environment, wherever you are. So some of their new updates is the ability to add interactive questions. So awesome. it's only one type of question now. It's multiple choice. I'm sure they'll Oh, it'll on. grow, right? <coughs> it'll grow. 100% it'll me. grow. It'll add on at some point, but it's giving you that Edpuzzle feel um, with your Screencastify. So I like the ability to add interactive questions just for engagement, just for engagement, just for just some comprehension checks as they're going through the video. Now, of course, this is Screencastify videos. You're not bringing in YouTube or anything like Correct. that, but it's, it's your Screencastify video. So along with the interactive question, they've added viewer analytics. So you can see, because, you know, you put a video out there, who knows who watches it? 100%. And up until now, there was no way of knowing. Tracking, yep. The engagement or the tracking. So now they have viewer analytics. You can see, depending on who you, how you set it up, it can be anonymous or it could be tagged with an email. I'll put a link to um, some of these updates and how to do that, how to access them in the show notes. 
but you can see who viewed it, how many times they viewed it. Um, so that's great. That's a very similar feature in Ed Puzzle. Same kind of same thing. kind of thing. And what I want to point out with these updates, these the interactive questions and the analytics. It's not just for new videos you create. So if you go to all your recordings in Screencastify, you can go back and add the interactivity. You can look at the analytics moving forward. So nice, nice. All those it's, videos it's, you've already created right. are now, you get the data from them. And also, you can use the Screencastify editor to upload any video. So it doesn't have to be that video you created in Screencastify. It can be a right. video that you have from somewhere else. And you can put that into the editor, you can export it, and then add the interactive questions right there. It's almost like Screencastify is trying to take how powerful their current tool is, mm -hmm. expand upon it as a resource to kind of intertwine, or I don't want to say take over Edpuzzle, because Edpuzzle's been around for a while. Um, I, but that space, I think there's, it's a market that I think they're trying to get into. Well, and I think what they have to offer is... The way it syncs so well with Google Classroom, how right. you can create a video, push it directly out to Google Classroom, assign it to different students. You have that. I, yes, you can do that with Edpuzzle. You can do it with everything. But um, it's really looking at the teacher's own content and right. what the teacher is creating. And um, it, it's an awesome tool. I mean, you can use that Screencastify video to offer feedback. Um, you can flip your writing conferences. There's so much possibility. Video is a powerful tool and audio is a powerful tool. 100%. That's accurate. And with that, I would say, uh, additionally, we know that they're both seamless. Uh, we have experienced Edpuzzle hiccups at times mm -hmm. where a student has completed the work and then it's still unmarked. It's not complete in Google Classroom specifically. Right. So I think they're trying to avoid that. Again, they're all working out these kinks and, and continually improving by, you know, educators offering their feedback. Please reach out to these companies on the socials or, you know, the little question marks in the bottom corners, the help things. They do try to assist us as educators to improve their products in the long term of, of helping, you know, our students. And like Dan said, I think a big difference right there is Screencastify is your own personal content. Edpuzzle is not where you're going to create your content in Edpuzzle. It's third-party content. Right, where we had many teachers uploading their things to YouTube just to use Edpuzzle. Right. We don't have to go through that step anymore. You can right. take your Screencastify video, put in the interactivity, get the analytics, and make it a, a more meaningful experience. Work smarter, not harder. That's okay, it. I love it. A lot of updates this week compared to last week. So lots coming out, and again, it'll continually evolve, and we'll keep you posted on any updates that we find through all these apps and everything. You know, we have a we always have more notes than we ever get to, and I'm just <laughs> looking at this today, and I already know something that I've highlighted in Orange Day, and we're not going to get to today. That's okay. I know, but AJ Giuliani, we talked about him a couple episodes ago, and and he recently had an article uh, called "This Is Hard," and and just just the title of it mm -hmm. is powerful in the sense where it has been. It, it's very hard, you know. And he starts the article off by saying, "Imagine you've been in education for seven, eleven, fifteen, twenty five years." We've all grown as professionals. We've learned new technologies, even then some after the last 19 months. Right. We've shifted with standards. We've shifted with new initiative after new initiative that started uh, in education, in our school, in our district, seeing things that have been adopted. We see how things, how we've been as educators evaluated from observations to data, back to observations and data and looking all of that. We know there's turnover in education. I don't want to say as much with teachers, but administration, principals, superintendents, directors of a curriculum, special education. And we've seen best friends of ours and teachers leave the classroom. Mm -hmm. Some move on to the admin, some left school, some leave the profession. 
curriculum's changed. So he pretty much said, we're exhausted. Right. And, and I think teachers are. And not we're not exhausted by the students, although they have changed over the years. Mm-hmm. We've seen that. You know, if you have been in education for a while, you've seen that shift. Not so much by the parents, but they've changed. Definitely. But mostly by managing all this, picking yourself up every day. You know you're doing good work with good people for the right reasons, but he said the struggle, the struggle is, is real. real. The struggle is real, Dan. And, you know, it, it, it's the article is really good. We're going to link to it, but it's not that he's going to give a, a cure-all answer to it, but I think I, I'm glad we brought this up in the discussion because I just want to recognize the struggle is real. Yeah. It's hard. Um and everything we have to balance now, everything we have to manage between work and, you know, our professional lives, life. our personal lives, life, it's hard. And the fact that there's so much change makes things uh, even harder, especially in the environment we're in now between, you know, students having to quarantine, all this is happening. And I think, you know, he, he puts up some things that kind of make you think about things where he says change is constant. You know, if, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. It's a nice quote by uh, Maya Angela Angelou. So, you know, with all this change, change is constant, but let's focus on how we manage it. Right, for ourselves. I mean, most of us got into education because we wanted to make a difference in the lives of our students. And we have to remember that education is the bridge to so many opportunities in this country and around the world. And that's why we are educators, why we chose to be educators. And we have to evolve with that change. We know change is constant. And like Dan said, we do have to figure out how to manage it. And, and we have to accept that if we accept that change is constant, we have to realize that learning is also constant. So, you know, one of the things he brings up in the article is don't wait for training. Yep. Be a learner. Go out and seek it. Yep. Absolutely. There's a lot of professional development opportunities where you're listening to this podcast, other educational podcasts, Twitter chats. There's so many new ways of being able to learn professionally and grow as an educator and as a, a professional that it's not just the in-person after-school activities that we had come accustomed to four or five years ago between webinars and asynchronous and synchronous learning, you know, the virtual environment that has completely shifted because of the way our lives have changed. And one thing he also said is focus on the important things. Many of those, many of those important things, they do not change. And think about it. Are students safe? Do they feel a sense of community? That's something that we're working on now. Can we engage our students? Are they empowered? Are we challenging our students and supporting them through various learning activities? Is the classroom student-centered? Are we focusing on the whole child? And we kind of talked about that a couple episodes ago with SEL, and we understand the curriculum changes. Lord knows that we know technology changes all the time as we're talking about the updates. There's new initiatives always around the corner, but the best practices of how we learn are focused on student-centered experiences with the right amount of scaffolds, the right amount of challenges and supports for all the learners. Students are our focus, and we should be consistently focusing on what is best for them. And that ties into where I want to move for the next discussion point and also tying into our last episode when we are talking about your why. You know, we think about it, what is your why? Um, And one of the things I think about for my why is... Andrew and I and a couple other people, we, 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 we constantly talk about our students being creators versus consumers. Mm. Are they creating something? Are they designing something? Are they making an original product or are they just consuming something just to give back to you at a later point? 
So the idea of creating a student, I mean, I think of my why, mm -hmm. um, creating student-centered classrooms with authentic learning experiences where students have the choice to be creative and show their understanding in a variety of ways. Um, I think about that for my why and think about, you know, creating that environment and how I can use technology to assist me in creating that environment. Yeah, we tend to think of the creativity innovation as something that happens outside the box. And, you know, AJ talks about that. He disagrees completely with that statement because the most creative and innovative work comes from the circumstances that force a new type of thinking for solutions inside the box. So we always say, let's get outside the box. Let's make this hard. Let's, everything's hard. Everything's difficult. Everything's exhausting. But we should always remember teachers have always been adaptable through everything. I mean, think about the last 19, 20 months. Let's honor the craft of teachers and move forward. And remember, we know this is hard and change is constant, but let's continually evolve and change to focus on how we can manage it, not only for ourselves as educators, but also for our students. So two, two tools I'd like to bring up for creating, you know, for enabling a creative classroom and looking at create, creating versus consuming is Jamboard and Padlet. Yep. Um, I think they're two fantastic tools if you use them outside the box can really be a powerful um, tool for creating that student-centered environment in the classroom because you have an easy built-in collaboration space. Yep. So one of the things that we work on with um, some of the teachers is having students, you know, go through an inquiry process, being able to process something individually, share it with a small group, and then in the small group, build consensus in order to share it with the rest of the class to build understanding. So Jamboard and Padlet have become two great tools for that purpose. So for example, if students are going through a QFT process or a question formulation technique, yep. um, developing their inquiry questions based on a unit of study or a topic or a skill that they're going through in the class, they can generate questions individually. Um, they can move into small groups, and in that small groups, they can share their ideas. They can build consensus of, of what the understanding may be. And then when they build consensus, they can either post a sticky note on a Jamboard or post it up to a Padlet. And therefore, you have all this information being shared by the various groups. So the students are doing the inquiry. The students are generating the questions. They're sharing them up after they've already discussed it. And the teacher can go around with the small groups and listen and monitor them. But once it's up there, then the students can begin to build an understanding together by sharing all the thoughts. Right. It is a power. Both of those are powerful tools. Uh, before Jamboard, it was all Padlet. All Padlet. We didn't have anything else. And, and Google came up with, you know, an answer of, of Jamboard, which really allows for that uh, creation tool to have that build that consensus and the understanding among students. That's great. Yep. Mm -hmm. Another one I know we talked about was slides for choice boards and, and using Slides Mania. If you, and we'll link it in the show notes. If you never use Slides Mania, uh, it's Dan's favorite tool. It well, is. I don't want to say his favorite, but one of them. Such, such <laughs> inspiration I get from that. <laughs> But um, like we were saying, like, find, like going out and finding, finding your resources and finding your network and, and, and engaging your learning, there's so much out there. There's such a collaborative atmosphere if you're looking in the right places. So in Twitter, you know, you can find your community that's all about sharing. Slides Mania is a great site because they're open to, to sharing and building content and providing those tools for educators. So... Looking at Slides Mania, finding some ideas for choice boards, some templates that are engaging that you can use to create meaningful learning experiences. 
Yeah, and it makes them fun. You know, the kids get kind of excited. Students get excited when it's a different, uh, a different theme. Uh, you know, how how much you incorporate things that are happening in their own life really le- allows them to kind of understand. Uh, they're more engaged. That's that's and that's what we're really looking for is that their engagement. Okay, so those were a couple things we want to talk on about creators versus consumers. Uh, we had mentioned in the notes about VR. Is is it ready for prime time? You know, is virtual reality the next big thing? We know we had a huge setback, uh, you know, without Google Expeditions. We're kind of working through that. Google Arts and Culture is catching up, as we mentioned in a previous episode, but it is not the same. And as I've seen Dan, and we've been tweaking and working around with, we're using Class VR. Very cool platform. can have ThingLink and all your own stuff in there, and it's got its own platform. There are challenges. It's costly. We know that. But as far as the setback without Google Expeditions, what do you think, Dan? It's, you know, Google Expeditions provided that platform where you can put in the content and make it easily viewable. Um, But I'm looking, you know, in looking for a space to build the VR or AR content, I've been experimenting with CoSpaces. That's another one. Yep. That's built in with Class VR, right? CoSpaces and ThingLink. ThingLink has become, has come a long way over the past few years. So it, it, I, I'm working in those platforms to get in my 360 images, to get in the videos, to, to be able to tag them with different content and build the learning experiences together with students. It's just right now, and anyone who offers feedback or has any tips can leave some comments if they have experience with it. Would love, would love for you to reach out. But it's, getting, it's a little clunky of getting them from, you know, co-spaces or what you build in ThingLink into the class VR so you get a seamless experience that you can monitor as a teacher. So it, it, I think these are all growing pains. Um, not everything is seamless, but it seems to be working out. I just need some more time in the sandbox. Yeah, and, you know, the big thing I think is there are not a lot of uh, students, teachers, administrators who have experienced the VR world. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the handful, the early adopters, so to speak, but there are many of them. It's it's the cost. It, it, is. it is extremely expensive to bring that in that component into education. I mean, the technology is great. There's a, there's no doubt about it. But the cost for it, you know, really hinders how far you can go with it. You know, and I think that's something that we have to remember. And my angle for it is, you know, there is some content and prepackaged content in in our class VR set that is absolutely amazing. Uh, right, but. I'd like to look at, I mean, if this is something that I'd really like to pursue and promote, I want to see the students creating the content. Right, that goes back to the consumers versus creators conversation. And that's where, you know, the the creation of that content is a little more difficult now without something like Google Expeditions or Google Panorama, which gave a nice easy place to build it and then get it out to to devices, whether using Google Cardboard or just looking at an AR VR on an iPad for right. expeditions. And there's a lot of uh, apps and websites and everything mm-hmm. out there that can help you uh, develop those VR experiences, you know, not be immersed if, if you took your own images like we are currently working on, as Dan had previously mentioned, but you have the YouTube VR, you have Google Earth VR. It's not the same. 
Um, but those, you know, it's going to get you that experience without maybe not needing the Google Cardboard, the mm-hmm. Class VR goggles, all of those things. You know, those kind of make things uh, different. We know a lot of districts do not have Oculus Quest. Let's right. be honest, no. you know. Um, uh, Google Cardboard, it's probably the most affordable uh, but then you need the devices. Right. So then you have the devices. Are students bringing their own devices? Is things filtered? This, that. So that makes it challenging. You know, Oculus, they're very pricey, but they're one of the best. They're, they're probably the market leader in it. Class VR is specifically for schools, which is what we're kind of, uh, you know, tweaking and, and messing around with. But it's also got that platform that has a lot of content in it for those who may want to just, you know, dip their toe in the water and try to experience it. And maybe not have to go through the whole process yet until they get comfortable. Because that's the thing that teachers always have is they want to be comfortable before they go to teach and use it as a tool in the classroom. I will tell you what um, AR is ready for prime time, and that's Merge Cubes. Love Merge Cubes. Cheapest way. Cheapest way. If you're not familiar with Merge Cubes, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. But what you can create using Merge Cubes um, and CoSpaces or even Merge Cubes and Tinkercad um, is amazing. And what you can have students create and build and design using Merge Cubes. We've had students third, fourth, fifth grade um, producing AR content with Merge Cubes. And it's been amazing on the amazing to watch the learning that goes on when they're creating stuff for this augmented reality platform. So if you're not familiar with Merge Cubes, it's a foam cube. Yeah, it's just foam. Which looks like a bunch of QR symbols on it. And when you scan it through an iPad, all of a sudden you have AR. So they have built-in content through the app, but you can design your own content using CoSpaces. Yeah, and Merge has uh, lets you hold those digital 3D objects. Mm -hmm. It's not, and and I'm saying hold because... You hold the cube. You're holding the cube, and it's really even adaptable for our most youngest learners. Nothing can really break. That's yeah. the best part because they're styrofoam. So it's like you can have the galaxy in the palm of your hand or fossils or artifacts or a heart. You can hold a heart. heart. And then you can really immerse the students uh, in the learning, you know, from that, that standpoint. I, and I think Merge Cubes, depending, you know, you can find them maybe 15 bucks, give or take, mm-hmm. maybe 25 give or, you know, I'm not sure on the exact price. Uh, but you'd search Merge Cube, you'll find them. I remember before AR hit, somebody got like them for like 99 cents at the clearance, right? Remember they were giving at them out at NiceGate. Yeah, they gave them out at NiceGate. That's right. So definitely something to check out is Merge Cubes. Um, we do have more uh, things that we would want to talk about, but we are definitely running uh, short on time. So we will uh, have that for episode five for next week. Um, anything else you want to wrap up, Dan, before we uh, wrap up episode number four? Um, I just want to thank everyone again for for listening and giving the feedback. Uh, I really feel privileged that we have this platform and we're able to to share some thoughts. So thank you very much. Yes, thank you once again. Again, to follow us on Twitter, we'll give you all the socials. Uh, Make sure you uh, check out the hashtag EdTechGuys. Uh, and if you're coming to NiceGate, we'd love to, you know, connect with you. We're going to figure out where we're going to broadcast. We haven't uh, figured that out yet, but it could be Starbucks, you know, hey. uh, whichever. But uh, we will find some space uh, and you'll see us. We'll be the dorks in the corner recording, <laughs> for lack of a better term. But we do support. We do thank you for all your support. Listing on the platforms, leaving us reviews. Again, questions, comments, suggestions. Please reach out. And like we always say, tech hard, work smart, live an adventure. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR.